0: Yes, we have time enough to podcast. And that is that is where you are now going through um <laughs> anthology series such as the Twilight Zone and probably something else down the line. But we are at square one and wondering where is everybody. This is Matt here uh with Andrew. me. Is, that's Andrew there. I guess Cutting you'll be around you off. for a few of these. Cut me off. That's right. Because that doesn't <laughs> happen in this first episode with a a very small cast. Um I, I guess I'll You know, this is our first run, right? So I should spit out a few uh, trivia tidbits, I suppose. All right. Um, We only have, of course, uh, as most of the early seasons are, this is written by Rod Serling. I think the first season basically has three writers, uh, creator of the show. Um, Our main actor is Earl Holloman, born September 11th, 1928. Nice, auspicious date there. Uh, Surprising, when I looked up, he's still kicking. The guy is alive. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what is he now? 90, 97? That's yeah. So good for him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he he appeared in a lot of uh, 1950s, 1960s westerns and was a regular on the TV show policewoman. And he was the son in law of Rock Hudson's character and giant. Um, you'll note that there's a prominent Rock Hudson uh, marquee displayed later on in this uh, very episode. Yep. Uh, The director is Robert Stevens, who directed many anthology shows, including Alfred Hitchcock Presents. So uh, I guess he was, you know, just get a nice hired hand for your pilot. Right. Oh, yeah. So um, in this one, I I guess we're not going to quite go with a I'm giving you the intro to read. There we go. You can read it however you want to. You can do your Rod Serling impression. You can. I was
1: gonna say I've played Rod Serling on stage one time. I don't. I'm, I haven't brushed up, but I think I've seen enough Twilight Zone for my entire life to give it a go. So okay,
0: I'll even take Goofy. I don't care. That, that's kind of the thing I'm working on here. Is I'm you know let's see what the guest does. So you're the guest. Oh, okay. Like, well, you're you're actually the regular, aren't you? But uh, let's see what you do with this one. <laughs>
1: In the barrier of loneliness, the palpable desperate need of the human animal to be with his fellow man up there, up there in the vastness of space, in the void that is the sky, up there is an enemy known as isolation. It sits there in the Star waiting, waiting with the patience.
0: Beyonds forever waiting in the ding dang twilight zone. So how, so how are people with your Rod Serling uh, impression on on stage? Did you do that one? I did not do that. <laughs> 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 that was an
1: exclusive. <laughs> yeah. No, I was the ghost of Rod Serling, so I had a a, a fake cigarette that burned. You know, um, I had the suit. Then of course I was made up of ghostly pallor, and so uh, you know I was I was a co-host of that night's festivities along with uh, someone named Misty Tetons. It was a twilight zone themed burlesque performance
0: was, was Misty Tetons a ghost as well. No, Misty Tetons was just, uh,
1: you know, n- uh, very nervous about doing improv with me.
0: <laughs> um, as far as getting into the episode here, I guess this is uh we'll, we'll see this throughout the first season. We don't have the, iconic theme if you're watching this out of syndication and it's you know original form but uh you have the well how are you watching these by the way um i have the blu-ray okay yeah because those have the originals so we have like a a bernard herman uh intro yes which is very cool i like it i mean it's not it's not the one we all know but you know
1: (laughs) no uh the the herman one i think only was around for maybe about i don't know the first maybe 10 or so you don't get the the first one is just i don't know if you're looking for what would be like proper twilight zone i don't even know if season one would be because it's got a lot of classic episodes but it's not in terms of the intro um You know, you don't have Rod there introduced. He doesn't even show up on camera until season two.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, he shows up for the bumpers at the end uh, and hawking cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little ironic there. No, from what I've read,
1: he he wasn't very comfortable being filmed. Like they had to really kind of gnaw at him to do it. And I think even with the narration, he didn't intend on doing that either. It was more of just like, they couldn't afford Orson Welles, which is, I think, who they wanted.
0: Yeah, that's not who they needed, though, is it? It's kind of like you know how how Jimi Hendrix didn't want to sing, but you know, yeah, like, Jimmy, <laughs> just sing, just do it, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think everyone was really keen on the idea of Orson Welles, but uh, Sterling didn't want it, and then didn't want anybody. You know, they, would, I think, they had some really pompous sounding people, and he
0: finally was just like, you know, just let me do it. you know get over it he is the narrator now for like any situation almost so uh yeah it's true (laughs) i mean even more than orson welles because orson welles is your unicron right he's he's the uh he is transformer (laughs) planet that eats other transformers or whatever
1: (laughs) yeah no that's for real what i think of when i think of orson welles even though (laughs) you and i saw a screening of Kane together i think at one point uh when you're in athens and uh yeah, that didn't sway me. He's just going to be Unicron. That's just uh shake. out.
0: Unicron and the guy that seems like his wife just left left him in the uh, Future Shock documentary.
1: Oh, that's true. And uh, okay. And one other thing. No, I think of Vincent D'Onofrio. I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even thinking because <laughs> of Ed Wood. Worry. You know, yeah. Has oh, his- right,
0: right, right. You're thinking of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. um, Fortunately, in this episode of twilight zone we get a man who loves to talk to himself because because that's all we're getting uh plunged yeah. onto a street in the middle of nowhere what is the thing in inception if you don't remember how you got there you know you can probably call it a dream you know it's a good chance it's a dream yeah yeah
1: um i you know I, that's that's the thing about um stuff like this is is a uh, you know, if you're just, if you're familiar with Twilight Zone and you watch uh, Where Is Everybody, it's the they do this a lot. It's the white guy by himself who thinks he's going crazy. That's the fifties,
0: right? That's how the fifties yeah. work. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And so, Your wife and is so in the you next have next room with a bottle of wine or two. Yeah, I actually She's not talking I've, to you
1: i get this one because i i came to know twilight zone very out of order um because i would just watch the new year's marathons with my dad and so i had no concept of like you know season one and watching and like it wasn't until my adult life where the box sets came out where i was able to actually watch them in order and so this to me really kind of blends together with a lot of the plots of the other ones
0: for me you know well yeah this is a it's almost like the, this is a standard sort of plot, you know? I mean, yeah, there's a pilot it's, it's done arguably better. Well, probably better in later episodes. Um, oh
1: yeah, definitely. Because the, the ending of this one is really not even, it, it's not even up to snuff. I don't think for what would be a proper twilight zone. You're like, uh, it's too spelled out for you. I think I, I might,
0: I might throw a wrench into that at the end, but yeah, it, it is Great. a little spelled out. So, well, you've, maybe you've seen my notes already so you know where i'm getting with i did (laughs) yes (laughs) like you know i mean they talk about things that kind of like oh hollywood showing you thing it's like it's like no someone heard a story and then heard a story from someone else and it kind of ends up in your script or in your movie and i'm assuming that's kind of because you know it's like the air force or they're doing weird experiments right now there are like multiple year air force spacecraft in the air you see the news sometimes it's like hey this plane just landed and it's been in space for like five years i mean yeah. it's like and it's usually you know five five headlines down but
1: <laughs> yeah and, and i think i think if i remember correctly for this one um serling was uh he was aware of those stories about people uh doing isolation training for space and i think he may have just been walking around the because these were shot at uh the universal backlot i think and um, he was just walking around there one time when nobody was working, and it just felt like an alone guy. Yeah, you know, like it was. He got this weird feeling, and so uh, I think those two things combined are what inspired him to, to write this.
0: That's one of the things uh, with these shows. I think, um, <clears throat> like you said, they often don't spell things out because now you're supposed to get like a puzzle box, right? Yeah. Where- you know everything fits together where twilight zones you know have funky fuzzy edges that don't make well, sense they
1: invented that i yeah. mean that's, that's this is the template what you're watching here when you watch twilight zone you're watching the template
0: right right oh the other thing that crossed my mind i, I just saw a few weeks ago the uh, shot of i think it was someone in the states is like these people are going to test out how a mars mission would go and they're going to be in one of those isolated domes right it's there's this dude surrounded by three ladies. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen there? <laughs> oh I saw some documentary. about. I
1: think they were all PhDs to be fair, but <laughs> I mean, you know, it it's weird. I, I don't, I think that Stockholm thing, I think that was all sort of like a, a very made up and not real thing. Um, it's more of just gross.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's more of just horrible. So we'll see how that
0: shakes out, I guess uh in terms of this, though, it's not just the dude walking around by himself, but with very very little memory, obviously he has language he has um yeah. he knows pop culture references, which is kind of weird uh, yeah you know, yeah, he know no, he's a, how to work things well it, it's
1: it's neat because you do, he Serling does that thing that he does so well it's it's uh he's making you sort of identify with the person and making them likable and almost fun to watch. So you don't start thinking anything else, but it is impossible to watch this as someone who's, you know, I came into twilight zone as a kid, at least like, you know, along with things that were influenced by it. So I just sit and think, I can't put myself in the headspace of someone who's seeing this for the first time. And the only people they're going to really get it are sci-fi readers,
0: you know? Yeah, this is in a, in a niche. And just for, people wondering at some point, of course, we're going to get our, our eyes on the Jordan Peele one. I just want to start with at the start, you know? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, there is a, I, I guess there is a recurrence of this kind of vibe again. You know, like uh, I it, has peak TV peaked already here in 2021. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm
1: not a TV watcher. The reason why I love twilight zone is because you don't have recurring characters. You don't have a, a plot that goes on over time. You've got this very economic, I wouldn't use the word utilitarian, but the word could be used, I guess. Um, They are just um, compressed storytelling. It's like, it's masterful. You know, I'm a a fan of sketch comedy. I'm a fan of music videos, fan of short films, a maker of short films. So I eat up the Twilight Zone. They're perfect. To me, they are.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, one thing I don't really plan on doing for this podcast much is sitting there talking about the quality of the thing. It's always, you know, maybe maybe the script wasn't the best, but as far as like how the thing was made, um, that it was pretty top notch across the board.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because not only do you have that Bernard Herrmann music, but you've also then
0: got some really wonderful cinematography in this as well. Yeah, it's real good looking. I, I guess I should talk about um, you were talking about your midnight or your New Year's marathons, right? So. Yeah. For me, I think, I mean, I caught them on TV when I was a kid here and there, but I got about maybe about 12 discs, early DVDs. When you play them now, they're just like super lame looking. I mean, right. the, the menus are ridiculous, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, had, I think I had about 50 episodes uh, on those. So that's like a third of the show. But that's the only third of the show I've seen for like the past 20 years. Really? <laughs> Yeah. And um, huh. I, I had my holiday in, in August and it was just my holiday. So I was having my, my where's everybody moment up at the mountain house. And um, I get there and there's a giant hole in the living room. Like, you know, it's <laughs> an old Japanese tatami room. And um, the, the, that area of the floor had been kind of squishy for years because that's where the fire pit used to be like a hundred sure. years ago. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I guess it broke or something. So there's a giant, that whole section of the floor is taken out. There's like dirt and rock underneath a couple of shovels sticking out. And um, <laughs> I'm there by myself and I started putting on twilight zones and like eating dinner by like the hole in the living room. So I was like, that's a, that's, a, that's a good way. I to- mean,
1: that's like, that's like tripled down. <laughs> I don't know. Cause <laughs> I, like I, I uh, twilight zone, my thing with it now is that, um, I mean, I definitely will put it on a new year's just for the day, but once a year I go through the whole run like every season. And, um, Sometimes I put on Night Gallery like after, but I love going through the entire run of Twilight soon.
0: Yeah, well, I'm taking for a slow crawl through this one, but uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me, I just cleared my throat into the mic. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so uh, moving on with the story a little bit here. I, I, I don't want to make this like a step-to-step, step, but it's kind of hard not to talk about this one because he makes his way to town, which I I guess the creep factor here is obviously somebody's doing something in this mind town of his. So yeah, someone has put the coffee on someone has turned on the movie projector, all these sorts of things.
1: Yeah. And those are the times when, you know, he really thinks someone might be there. And so the audience thinks he might be there too. The important thing to note is, you know, the suspense works a couple of different ways where either you, you know, more, than the character. And so you're like afraid for them or you're right there with them experiencing it at the same time. And that's where the latter one is where they put you in here. And so I think um, there were thoughts originally of having like, uh, for example, and when he's in the diner uh, in the kitchen, when he's first trying to bark out his order, you see something kind of white moving back there and they want you to think it's the, it's the cook, but really it's just an apron blowing in the wind. But they didn't want to, that was a little too ham-fisted, you know what I mean? And so they kind of nixed that. But um, I think for the most part, it really works. It doesn't, he doesn't linger too long doing like the same things. Um, He does sort of go through the town and kind of go through the motions of visiting kind of everywhere. So it does, it's not one of my favorite episodes. It spins its wheels, you know, but it's hard to say because it's the first of its kind. Like you said, they're all great, you know. Yeah, so when yeah. you're breaking new ground and making a template there's you can't really say there are any
0: missteps here. I mean, how many pilots are like the best episode? I mean, there are a few where you would say yes that is, but in general that's not going to be the case. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, this it wasn't the first script or even the first filmed
1: of the Twilight Zone uh but it was the first actual episode to get produced. And so uh to that to that end yeah, I can't sit there and talk too, too uh, bad about it. I I do feel like this idea was done better later, but um, you had to be critical of it. It's just more of just like, okay, but this was inventing the best episodic or the best television ever done, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, although, so, although, so go ahead. I was just going to say, though, you know, watching 2021, you know, the answer to, to where is everybody's easy? They're at the Walmart because, you know, your small town is <laughs> <true>. dead. <laughs>
1: Although I did, um, there is something interesting uh, about the structure of it. And I know that Serling in the writing phase, or no, not in the writing phase, rather, um, like years after, like he wasn't a big fan of this one. um, But years after the fact, uh, he was interviewed sometime in the 70s about uh, about, uh, this one. And he mentioned that um, how he would go back and rewrite it. If he was you know and how he would thought about redoing it over the years in terms of what he would have actually done you tell me if you think this is this is better or if you like it the way it is did he get but a Night was gallery gonna...
0: monster well,
1: <laughs> <that would be laughs> i'm a fan of night gallery man. i like ray bradbury theater also big fan of that um and tales from the dark side we could you could spend the probably the rest of your life doing series like this with me um so uh, he was going to have the guy go into the movie theater earlier, right? Stepping into there. Like you were saying, he looks for the projectionist who's running this. Right. Right. And so everything else kind of plays out after he gets in the seat. And the end of the episode is people carting him out of the theater. And he's still got like his ticket stub in his hand.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's a very different episode too, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But that's,
1: he said that's how he would do it because, uh, I mean, uh, it's hard to say, knowing his own criticisms of it, it's hard to like then not watch it with that sort of an eye, you know? Uh yeah. given that I I do feel the ending is a little it's about all people could really handle at the time.
0: Well, uh, let's we got the uh I guess he's in a vintage hollow deck, more <laughs> yeah, or less. A great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's tripping out basically, which I, I guess is maybe what would happen in I, what two weeks of isolation, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. And like I said, there, I mean, you know, uh, there's the air air force plane is landing unmanned, it's like, are uh, might not be. I mean, they wouldn't like tell you, like, there's you know, crazy people inside, yeah. <laughs> people no, true, true. <laughs> you no.
1: Know, I like all the false hope that sort of comes in in a uh, little bitty waves in this one, too. So um, yeah, the, the the structure of it, I think, is is really sound. Like I said, the the stuff about it spinning its wheels, I think it's only because I'm waiting for things that are in other episodes to happen. You know, You're
0: waiting for everything at once, basically.
1: Yeah, and so that, but that's just my, you know, that's just sort of my palate or whatever. But uh, I do, I I'll never not wonder what it would have been like if Sterling had been able to do his revision. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is different. I, I feel like there is a later episode. Well, like you said, they, I guess, you used the basic concept a few times. So it's sort of like he, like, specifically didn't rewrite this one, but he certainly no. kind of made it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, without question. No. And we'll, I'm sure as, as you go through those, you'll be like, why? This is a lot like, where is everybody?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's, I guess it's just a, a nice existential, uh, little, um, you know, you walk you don't know who you are and you walk into a space with no people. That's you know, that's a that's life, man. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I mean,
1: look, we're we're talking about it way longer than we typically talk about any film. And um it's 2021. So that
0: just shows you how how great it still is, how well it holds up. Right. Um, there is one thing, uh I, I guess it's near the end when he uh ends up going full bore through like a window. Which- uh-huh which seemed like a dumb move, but
1: uh, <laughs> uh more uh, like something out of groundhog day at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would seem a little, little off just in tone, but, um, <laughs> but it did make me think of, you know, all those restaurants where they use the mirrors to make the place look twice as big. Yeah, it was, but you have to admit a shocking moment when he yes, just yes, literally yes.
1: just slams into the, you know, the, the mirror. I mean, that's a, I mean, and they're low tech. They weren't spent, they were spending a lot, I guess, for the time on these episodes but compared to what you'll spend on an average episode of TV now, it's like nothing.
0: You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they're using backlots, right? That I doubt they built sets for this. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but the mirror gag is incredible. Well photographed i mean the the final the final section where he comes out of the whatever i was gonna say simulator but it's not like really, well, it's kind of a simulator but uh i mean that's yeah sound stage <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> our, our set is sound stage <laughs> yeah the, he's um he just kind of finally
1: just falls completely apart and he's pressing this uh, uh walk button right at a, at a crosswalk or an intersection and he just keeps hitting it and then um uh, he kind of you kind of see the real context of it and he's hitting this, you know, what I would you call the panic button or just the I've had enough button in the isolation <laughs> booth. But yeah, it totally looks like so. <laughs> they didn't. They, it was very sparse. Was, How did he was, eat
0: uh, in there? Oh,
1: <laughs> don't do they explain? Do they say they say that he's been being maintained somehow?
0: No, he just got like electrodes still on his head. <laughs> OK, so uh, mean, maybe like. Maybe they're shoving sandwiches under the door. I don't know. I don't know. Are we What's supposed to smell- ask those
1: questions? Is he sitting on a bucket? Is what I want to know.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just reading about <laughs> have you ever thought about what the Apollo mission smelled like?
1: I tr- <laughs> it's crossed my mind a couple of times <laughs> over the years.
0: Basically, they flew to, to the moon and back into like a flying latrine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> there there's like At that point, they didn't even have like you know they have like kind of somewhat hygienic space toilets now I guess, but then it was like poop in a bag and hope it all gets in the bag. And uh, I think it's a I think it was Apollo Ten where one where the commander's like oh, we got one floating through the cabin (laughs) (laughs) like there was just a turd floating through the cabin.
1: (laughs) So yes, that's the one they leave out of the the movies and dramatizations.
0: So anyone who's like, wouldn't it be amazing to um you know have been one of the astronauts who landed on the moon you know maybe not for your nose so no. and, and his and, and this guy's box must have maybe they put some kitty litter all around the floor or something that would
1: be cool i i seriously doubt it i mean he he i mean it was just like opening that just was i mean he was just marinating in his own juices at that
0: point right right so that's an air <laughs> force nasa thing to do i guess oh it's <laughs>
1: absolutely no no
0: big deal to him i'm sure and of course, they spelled out the end like, hey, this is, you know, one day we're going to go to the moon, which sounds a little wacky now. But uh, yeah, well, what well, does so it? Like,
1: yeah. Like <laughs> 10 years before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they,
0: they didn't have Stanley Kubrick to film it this time around. So. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. But, you know, I, I've and I've mentioned this before when talking to you and Luke about science fiction, there's there's really pre there's there's pre star wars and post star wars in terms of film but i think in terms of television and literature and stuff pre space program and post space program you know
0: yeah yeah pretty well <laughs> um i think I, I think we've made it through this episode kind of stumbling on here and there um yeah he didn't get to read the last man on earth uh, that that was the weirdest thing i thought that was going to go somewhere but uh they they have the entire book rack of the last man on earth <laughs> But yeah, it, it now once we know like this whole thing is like a construct of okay. his mind, it's quite interesting. <clears throat> I, I had a, a few months ago, I had a dream. I was like at some kind of like seaside restaurant. I went lucid. And I, I guess I didn't misuse it. I would just start like, like exploring the details of everything in a dream. It's like, wow, how, do, how does that all come together? You know? like looking at the faucet and like how, and the reflection on it, I'm like, oh, that's that's all being created in this dream. That's wild. <laughs> looking at the posters, you know, and realizing it kind of looks like Japanese, but it's actually symbols that don't particularly mean anything. <laughs> Maybe they mean something heavy. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I've yet to have this experience. <laughs> oh, you have to work it out. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the reasons i'm doing a podcast like this (laughs)
1: sure no i i think if i want to uh you know watching twilight zone i I think brings me um you know pretty much out of the out of the center of things that's why i love it so much right right it really um i i enjoy the space that it puts you in but, but but as as an adult who's also someone that produces short form art um i i'm just it is a great it's, it's never not a good idea to watch the Twilight
0: Zone. Well, I guess we're at the point where you should tell folks about your short your own short form art. That's right, man. Um, we, we've made some Twilight
1: Zone-ish stuff. Um, on our latest DVD release, which you can purchase at gonzorific.com go, N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C dot com. We have a film called, a release called um, Ariella Jones and the Home Video Vixens. And on this, they're like mixtapes. We have one called The Last Person on Earth. And this is very much a sort of a a Twilight Zone episode. I didn't direct it, but I wrote it. And um, I also play a role in it. But it's a a little bit of post-apocalyptic, you know, gotcha. With a not necessarily a Twilight Zone style twist, but my own sort of B movie twist, but it's it's the framework of a Twilight Zone episode. And this
0: is this is the first recording of a Time Enough podcast. We're under the umbrella podcastio podcastius on Patreon. We also talk uh, sci fi films at Matt Luke's Sci Fi Sanctuary and just weird ephemeral films on oral oral hygiene, oral hygiene, oral hygiene. <laughs> 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 that's, that's in your IG. yeah i missed i missed an opportunity there so <laughs> um and do look up a uh, time enough podcast uh I, i'll be making the twitter and the facebook once you hear this that should exist but it does not at the moment <laughs> oh no i didn't think about how to go out either uh-oh
1: probably just dub
0: in a fart yeah that's a good idea you can't just like do one on command i mean like like the the proper noise oh i can do the noise yeah yeah go for it Thank you.